0: one percenters welcome back to another episode of the one percent podcast i'll be your host all day david nurse thank you guys for joining me always means a lot when i hear from you hear from listeners and just telling me things that you like about the podcast what you learned about the podcast or anybody or anything that you want to learn from and learn about. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Hit me on Instagram, email, whatever it might be. I'm easily accessible. Let me know what you're thinking. All right, let me ask you this. Do you want to get great sleep every night? Like optimal deep sleep, REM, wake up, feel like you're rested and ready to just punch life in the face. Do you want that? If you do, keep listening. If not, if you don't like getting good sleep and you want to feel like you're really tired and groggy every morning, just stop this right now. And here it is, ChiliPad, chilitechnology.com. These guys are my favorite, not just because their product is amazing, and ChiliPad actively manages the body's temperature to deliver a magical deep sleep, great REM, makes you feeling like you've woken up just fully rested and recovered to attack the day. But the people they are, I know them well and they are some of the best people that will care for you, make sure that you are absolutely getting the most out of every night's sleep. And think about it too, you're going to save a ton of money just because you don't have to turn the air conditioner down to 60 degrees. This chili pad or the Uler, it's going to regulate your body's temperature to sleep in the cold. Cool sleep is magical sleep. Chili Pad has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, ESPN, New York Times, Forbes. I literally gift it to all my NBA players so I know they are getting the best sleep. Because there's nothing worse than waking up the next morning and feeling like, man, I can't even go through the day because I didn't get great sleep. Chili Pad has been my key, my ticket to a great night's sleep basically every single night and luckily for you they're great friends of mine and they've given me a code to give you a super discount dnbball25 at checkout gets you 25% off the chili pad dnbball10 gets you 10% off the uler at checkout go to chilitechnology.com all of this will be linked in the show notes and start sleeping like a baby today The episode we have for you guys today, unbelievable. This guy is an absolute legend, very well known in the health and wellness space, has his own podcast, a very successful podcast. He was one of the top MMA fighters. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, just dominating match after match, played football at Arizona State. The guy is an absolute beast. But when you hear that, you probably don't think of someone who is very in touch with their emotions, in touch with vulnerability and who they are, and willing to just open up and share all of that. This guy is built like a truck, but one of the most beautiful souls that I have ever been around. Ladies and gentlemen of the 1% podcast, please welcome Kyle Kingsbury kyle works it on it has his own podcast a human optimization podcast and on this one we dive really deep into the mindset that it takes to be at the top kyle being at the top of mma and also his pivot that he had to make to be now a voice that's heard an influencer in total optimization we also get pretty nerdy also about optimizing you to the fullest an nba player to the fullest and just really giving you immense, dense, moody stuff on this podcast. Get ready to be blown away and totally optimized by Kyle Kingsbury. So buckle up, because here we go. All right, Kyle Kingsbury, start us off with a bang. Tell us something that not many people know about you.
1: Ooh, wow. something
0: crazy. Yeah, we're coming at you hot from the start
1: yeah you're not you're not beating around the bush here why why do well, surface h- level the, conversations <laughs> the question the question it would be i mean hmm i'm i'm trying to figure out where i go with this answer because if people have followed me then they would know that i'm into pretty high levels of psychedelics and plant medicines that my wife and i have an open relationship or polyamorous relationship or whatever you want to call that mm-hmm. uh and if they followed me on my podcast they know that i had a pretty Deep battle with depression post college before fighting mm-hmm. um, I would say the newest, freshest thing that I haven't talked about lately there is I think my goal for 2020 is to to know peace, and I mean that with a you know in all caps to truly know it. I've experienced it um, many times in my life, and often in ceremonies and after ceremonies with plant medicines. Uh, for large stretches of time, felt a deep state of inner peace. But I kept getting pushed in this direction of meditation, quiet, still. And, and I mean that, and I can unpack that in a variety of ways that I choose to meditate, but to inhabit peace requires that I watch my thoughts like a hawk. Right. And to really sort out the minorest levels of anxiety, the minorest levels of nervousness, and really see what the root cause of that is, yep. and then surrender it. You know, So I think that that is not something that I, that I have mastered by any means. And in fact, it was in thinking of my mother in a ceremony and really wanting to be of service to her. Uh, there was a ton of downloads, and I've written a lot of this out. Um, but the biggest quotable that I got from that was, I must know peace before I can teach it. And it was with regard to her, but with regard to anyone. In regard to myself that that's that's the mission for me is to
0: know peace it's an amazing mission that's a i mean if you can wake up and have that type of peace going through your day every single day you're dominating life so let's keep breaking that down because that goes into what the one podcast is is mainly about too it's a perfect setup like i didn't even tell you to say that perfect <laughs> setup and one, I want to love the 2020 goal i love that and just finding the peace the mindset to find the peace and I do a lot of coaching with NBA players on developing their mindset and having the strongest willed mindset. But how do you, let, so let's say we're putting that practice into, let's say it's 2020. You're probably starting already now, obviously. Yeah, I'm not waiting yeah. for that.
1: And that doesn't end at the end of 2020, exactly. just to be clear. It's a right. lifelong practice. Right, right. No doubt about yes,
0: it. Yes, yes. New Year's resolutions, no, nah, they start today. They're habits built. So how do you go about building those habits to find your piece? Is there stuff that you do particularly different than you've done in the past? Yeah, I mean, there's,
1: you know, I do a really good job of, I have some level of mastery, if you were to look at, you know, yin and yang practices, I have Mm -hmm. some level of mastery in the masculine practices outward. Um, And meaning, what I mean by that is, I know how to work out intelligently so I can stress my body in a way where I'm going to get stronger, faster, whatever. More than that, now I don't, you know, I'm not working out for performance, it's more for longevity, but even outside of those two, uh, polarities. I'm working out for me because I enjoy it and it feels good,
0: and it's working. It's and working. I, <laughs> thank
1: you. And I know I know how hard to push and when to push. I know how to scale down. I know when I need to work in an aerobic capacity or when I'm going to push it with high intensity intervals. I have some degree of mastery in those skill sets. Mm-hmm. It's flipping that on its head. Where 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 am I lacking? What what do I need to remove from my nice. life? Right. And so in that weeding of the garden, um, it really comes down to. How often do I practice the yin? How often do I step into the feminine? How often am I listening and being receptive and tuning into my own body? And I have a number of practices that have really worked for me in the past. It's just a matter of prioritizing those Mm -hmm. so that it's not, you know, shit, I haven't meditated all week. Let me get two hours, you know, or something like (laughs) that. You know, It's not makeup time. It's like if you didn't, if you slept for five hours a night and thought you were going to catch up on Sunday, it doesn't (laughs) work that way. Yeah. So thankfully, mm-hmm. I have some really good sleep practices. I know that you're big on that, and that's yeah. something I'm going to talk to you about on my podcast as well. But sure. um, sleep being critical and and having good sleep practices, where do I fill it in during the day, and how often can I touch that space? Yep. So and I, and I believe you were talking about this too on one of your podcasts, or maybe when you were guest on another show. You know, you have your hour in the morning and your hour in the evening, mm-hmm. and then what happens in between, right? So it's all that in between time where I really do want to reconnect to what's going on inside. And it can be as simple as taking a daily walk and I'll walk a mile outside on it. There's this nice little loop that I do. It takes about 20 minutes and I can focus on my breath, get tuned in, actually feel what's going on inside. I can, a lot of that's contemplative. It's not just quiet mind. So I can kind of sort out what's going on during the day. What am I going to do? How am I going to go about it? And then once I have uh, a plan or a map, it's easy to just surrender to the process, right? Because I don't need nice. to overthink it then. I ha- if I have some degree of clarity and awareness around how the day looks, then it can be in a state of allowing it to happen. And I don't need to put much more effort into that. And that allows me, by first
0: contemplating it, it
1: allows me to go into the meditative state easier.
0: Ooh, that's really good. So y- you hit uh, a really good point of having a plan and having a map. And doing it on daily times, like not being just making up for it here, making up for there. You have your 1% steps that you're going to do every day that you know you're increasing. You know you're growing in what you're going to grow. And I think having a, I mean, I know having a plan and having a blueprint just makes like, because there's so many things you can do in the in the daily the morning routine overwhelms people the nightly routine in your day of how to optimize yourself but being able to put it into a plan that you know okay do this step do this step but also like we were talking about before on this podcast is i mean if if something bad happens you just gotta let it go like if you if you you don't hit a day if you wake up and you can't do what you think you're supposed to do that day you gotta let it go and that's one of the most difficult things and and you're talking about how i mean how it is difficult but you're doing a much better job of just laughing at yourself through that
1: yeah, there's a there, You know, playfulness is on the flip side of seriousness, yeah. right? And that's been a message I continue to get in, in my work with the medicine and and uh, meditation practices. But really, it just comes down to surrender and and celebrating my wins. So if I have nice. a, a, a checklist of five boxes that are really important to me in a, in a particular day, and I get three of those, celebrate that. I don't dwell on the two that I didn't check off. I know whatever I checked off, whether it was a workout and maybe it leaned heavily into the masculine, maybe it leaned heavily into go, 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 get stuff done. Um, That's okay. I know the flip side of that coin the next day is going to be, all right, how do I rest and restore? How do I fill the cup from within? So, so, and that, that kind of helps me gauge where I'm at. I don't have a set schedule with workouts. I don't know what I'm going to do when I show up in the gym. I just feel it out. And and there's a, a few ways I go about that, but Learning this by learning to check in has taught me how to work out better. It's taught me how to get my job done better. And in the same regard, I think that's a way that I can tune into myself when I'm trying to meditate is if I have anxiety or I am a little stressed about something, maybe it's better to go move first and contemplate what's going on, where it's coming from, and then I can sit in stillness.
0: Man, Yeah, that's, that's great. But what you say, too, is knowing when you go into the gym or... What you're doing, you've done it for a long, long, long time. So everybody listening to this is like it's it's the daily consist consistency in what you've done to be able to get you that point to have that full grasp and understanding of it. Amazing. Okay, let's talk even more deeper on mindset. So being a UFC fighter and just being like that's the mindset of like you could die in the in the ring that day. <laughs> like how do you how do you wake up and just know, like, hey, that my life's on the line. I got to put it all out there. Like, what kind of, like, relentless mindset do you have to have? Or did you have? Or things that you did to develop that type of mindset?
1: You know, initially, I just wanted to to F people up. You know? I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to fight. I didn't care if I got punched. If I got punched in the face, I smiled because it meant that now we get to fight. Wow. You know, and obviously, when you fight in the UFC, you don't want to wait to get punched in the face to strike back. <laughs> but, um You know, in all of the practices that I'm talking about now, I never really mastered that in fighting. And my mind was all over the place. The monkey mind was out of control in many of my fights. Um, Fighting was the impetus for me to want to learn more. And that started with recovery and performance and different things that were really associated granularly in the physical. And then, of course, you have to learn how to master the mind. Like uh, I had two different sports psychologists I work with one of which taught me some of my first first uh, breathwork practices. Another one worked with me on visualization. Nice. And in the visualization was great because I would I would go through where are the parts of the fight that I'm most nervous, the very beginning, walking in the cage, and the weigh-ins. Believe it or not, because the weigh-ins I was always depleted, and I got to stare across at my at my opponent, and I'm looking at this person, and I'm only witnessing in them. Their greatness. I'm only seeing them like, and <laughs> their best point. things, right? I'm looking at yeah. them and I'm saying, "Wow, you know, this guy's way more jacked than I am," or you know, just thinking about how good he is at jujitsu or wrestling or anything yeah. where I where I know there's a discrepancy in my game. I'm going to see their strengths rather than seeing their weaknesses or witnessing my own strengths.
0: Man, that's good.
1: And just, just standing, you got to stand next to your opponent for like a good hour as you wait in that line to get called on the stage, and um. So I think visualization really helped with that because as many times as I could put myself in that place, then it became playful. Ultimately, that didn't matter on Fight day. Um, but you know another practice that I got from René Couture was to visualize yourself losing in every way possible. interesting. and to become okay with that, to surrender to it, and then you can go out and fight clear. doesn't mean you welcome the loss, but right, You're okay right, with it. Right. It just means like you come to terms with every possible humiliating way you lose or what the fans think or the worst
0: case scenario. you come Yeah. How far you that. drop
1: in the ranks, all of that stuff, making half of your pay, everything that, that happens
0: oh, with a loss. Man.
1: Right. And so I think in, in doing that practice, that's something that I've used and continue to use outside of fighting. You know, if I, if I'm really fearful of something, number one, that's an illusion. But number two, what is it that I'm fearful of? What is the worst possible circumstance? You know, and if I can come to terms with that, then that allows me to really put it to rest and just move through and execute on the things that I need to.
0: That's really good. I haven't heard that before, just be coming to terms with it, but it makes a, it makes a ton of sense. We are just concerned about the worst case scenario, which really doesn't end up happening. Like 98% of the time, it won't, I know there's studies like that, that it doesn't end up happening, but it consumes all of our thoughts. Like Think about public speaking. Like What are people so afraid of? the first part where they get on stage they're afraid of what people are thinking of them but there's not people in the crowd that are really like cheering against them people are cheering for you people want to have you succeed but yet we always just think about oh i'm going to fail how i'm going to fail and i need to use that with nba players i'm going to have to use that in my practices because that is that is a big fear of theirs if they're going to not have a good game and if they don't have if they if they miss shots like that's it's it's huge and then they have to go on a plane for whatever fly to the next city and maybe they missed another seven shots and then it's stuck with their mind. But if you can if you can disassociate with that worst case scenario thing happening, I can only imagine it just opens everything up. Man, that's that's really good. Okay, let's talk about that uh, that pivot that you had to make in your life going from from fighting and going from being I mean, looked at as an athlete, looked as as a a beast Looked at as somebody who's going to tear your head off, like, like you look at it like still now, but in a good way. So how did you go from that pivot to what you're doing now, to pursuing podcasting, to pursuing um, just being a, like, for lack of a better term, an influencer, being someone who people look up to and people follow, and not for just the fighting, but for who you are as a person?
1: Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a long road, but it, it, I mean, looking back on it, it kind of did happen overnight. Um I had a boxing coach who was a cut man in the UFC who was Native American and Mexican and would take me to the Native American reservation out in California. And we would work with, uh, sweat lodges, Tim calls. And after a while I asked him, you know, what about La Medicina? And he started working with me, you know, he laughed and started working with me with psilocybin mushrooms and eventually ayahuasca. And I, you know, I can, I don't need to go down the rabbit hole on, on all of that's done for me, but it gave me a certain degree of trust in the unknown and when I, when I retired from, from football, I was very much attached to being a football player. It's all I knew yeah. since I was 10 years old. Yeah. I did not want a desk job. I did not want anything that my college degree was going to offer me in terms of lifestyle. And uh, I went through a pretty big, pretty great deal of depression, not having any purpose, not having dealt with a lot of family history stuff. And fighting gave me a way out of that. It gave me a way to become an athlete again. But with the plant medicines having already been introduced, I had a whole different perspective on that. And I was actually unattached from being a fighter when I retired. Nice. So that was easy to leave. The harder thing to unattach from was the idea that I can, I can take care of myself at any point in time. Right? <laughs> I still wanted to train. I still worked towards my black belt in jiu-jitsu. And um, that was beautiful in its own way as well. But, you know, to let go of the need to be able to destroy people, the need to feel that sense of security and safety within, and to fully trust. I mean, I can still handle myself, but to fully trust that I'm always safe, I'm always okay. Yep. And, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up at that point. Yep. It was just okay. I was working at a, at a strip club as a bouncer and a bartender and living in my mom's garage. I'd lived in my mom's uh, detached garage for five years while fighting in the UFC as a professional athlete.
0: It's awesome. You know, and I was awesome. working weekends. I More had
1: respect for that. Five days off, two days on. And, um, you know, I just took it one day at a time. When I'd go into work, I'd bring books. And I, you know, the first half of the shift, 11 hour shift, the first half, there wasn't a lot of people. So I just read constantly That's and cool. fill my mind. And during the days that when I was back home in the garage, you know, we'd go to the beach, we'd go for hikes, we'd work out, I'd share time with my wife and, And I'd read there, too. And I just kept studying the things I was passionate about, not knowing where that would lead me. And then, uh, you know, Rogan invited me on. We talked fighting, the ketogenic diet, fasting, a lot of different things. And, um, you know, he recommended, as he does to a lot of people, that I should start a podcast. And uh, I didn't. And just because he really does say that to a lot of people. But uh, Uh -uh. I saw him, I think, for his second or third uh, Netflix special he did in San Francisco, and he was like, did you start your podcast yet? And I was like, no, man. I thought that was just,
0: you know. <laughs> Something you nah, say. Surface
1: talk. And he was like, do it now. And so I started it. And, um, you know, we had moved to Vegas to escape California's state income tax. Good and <laughs> and all, all the other nonsense that comes here. And my wife's family is from there. Kelly's always going to be home. You know, I, yeah. I, I tease and, and riff on Kelly. But I, I like it. And um, we got to Vegas. And we were only there for four months. And I had this intuition to go to Paleo FX to meet people, you know, and most of those people, I had already read their books and understood it well. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like I was going to pick up more information from Rob Wolf in a 20 minute lecture than I did in Wired to Eat, right? But it was about meeting people. And one of the people I wanted to meet was Aubrey Marcus. And I'd followed him for a long time via Rogan's podcast and his own podcast. And uh, we got to meet hit it off. And then we shared the same flight back to Vegas because they were looking to open the second Onnit gym there. And um, we traded war stories on plant medicine journeys, fasting, all the biohacks, uh, mindset, you know, everything that goes into it. And he's like, dude, I'm going to hire you to come to <laughs> That's awesome. And so uh, not long after that, you know, he, he brought my wife and I out to Burning Man. We had a beautiful experience and I did the interview and that was better than I thought it would be, you know, in, in terms of what they were going to utilize me for. And we ran on it, and, you know, moving to Austin Man. later that year. Moved twice in 2017, pretty stressful to do that, especially getting further and further away from home. But everything uh, worked out pretty seamlessly. You know, And I've, I've learned a lot through the work process of actually having a desk job, you know, not wanting to, uh, really trying to impress the people around me and just getting yeah so far into the go, 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 you know, yeah. like Daffanel for six months straight. You know, half a get half a half a pot of coffee for six months straight, <laughs> working out but not working in. You know, not yeah. practicing any of that yin. So, you know, really, as I have begun to unpack that and work my way back towards balance, um, I can see very clearly that that is the path going forward.
0: That's an amazing path, and that's an amazing journey to get there. It's cool to see how just everything's put in line with you meeting Aubrey and to what you're doing now, and Joe telling you to do a podcast, and then. And, your podcast is amazing. You bring on a, a awesome guests, and it's just, just cool to see your journey to where you are now and where it's going to continue to go. What, what motivates you on a daily basis now to continue to, to, to grow all Kyle Kingsbury? What do, you want to, what do you want the world to see that, hey, this is, this is what I stand for. This is, this is my purpose. This is my mission that I'm on now to help other people. Because you are definitely someone who is just more into, which is great, Helping others and genuinely caring for others. Like the times I've been able to be around you, you've given me a big hug. We didn't even know each other the first time. You gave me a good, hu- big hug, called me brother, held me in close. So I was like, oh, "This guy's awesome. He's real." <laughs> so it's cool. It's cool. But what what do you want? Uh, yeah, what do you want uh, people to see the mission that you're on going forward?
1: Yeah, you know that's that's changed over time. I I think really uh, the understanding that I have now is. It, it, it sounds selfish, but it truly is the self-work. It truly yeah. is. How do I get the most out of life? And and then in those experiences, talk about them. That's the beauty of right. podcasting, right? right? right. And if I continue the self-work and continue to find different ways to extract the most out of being here, then that resonates with people. It doesn't resonate with all people, but it resonates with the people who tune in and it resonates to the people who are searching for that. You know, and so it's just a path that I've taken and certainly have done uh, many things that most people will not do. Right. It's not a requirement to fight in the UFC to get to where I'm at. (laughs) Not by any means, you know, and and I'm not even sure that that was a requirement for me to have that same outcome, you know, but it's always a, a work in progress. And I just think that the more I learn, the more important it is to embody that wisdom. And, uh, you know, Paul Cech once told me, if, if all you do is read, you're the smartest guy in the room does isn't know shit. Right? <laughs> well, that so, Yeah, That's a good point. <laughs> that's yeah. it. You have to apply and you have to understand viscerally what it means to walk the walk. And I think that's been, I think one of the things that's really helped me the most is to try everything that I've been taught on for size and give it a good, honest try. And then from there, see what I would tweak, what I would change to personalize it so it works better for me or mm-hmm. it fits into my schedule
0: better or yeah. however that looks. And that's that's just it. So when I bring people on the 1% podcast, I love to learn from them too and love to learn from their practices. And visualization is something that is super important for NBA players. So for myself, selfishly too, but talking about mindset development and how important visualization is, what, do, what have been your, some of your key, like, tactics of visualization? Let's say, let's say we're going um, – let's say you're going into a fight. You're going to the biggest fight that you've ever had. What are you visualizing? We talked about visualizing the worst-case scenario happen. But are you doing – are there certain practices that you do? Are you sitting, sitting with yourself for five minutes beforehand? Or just walk me through your visualization mastery.
1: Yeah, I would typically start with breath work. Just to calm and quiet the mind. And then I'd walk myself through, you know, all all possible things, right? Everything that I'm actually gonna do fight week from, you know, picturing the weight cut and how I successfully get on the scale on weight to picturing the weigh ins where I'm in line with my opponent and and anything that might be coming up for me, surrendering to that. And like mm-hmm. I said, the more often I'm there, the easier it is when I'm actually there. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I've already been there a hundred times call. throughout nice. the fight camp. Um, but w- then it's looking through the lens of what do I actually want to feel when I'm there. Ooh. Right? So I if I want to feel loose and happy, and, and obviously you fight better loose. You look at Bruce Lee. You don't want to fight angry. You don't <laughs> want to fight stiff. Yeah. Right? So why be stiff and anxious at the weigh-ins? So what if oh. I've lost all this water weight? I can still be loose and playful and jumping around and have energy if I call that in. So really visualizing bouncing around and laughing and cracking jokes with the other coaches and even my opponent and just being loose really helped me to actually embody You're that loose. on weigh-ins day, yeah. right? Visualizing the excitement because you can't calm that nervousness, but you can change nervousness and anxiousness into excitement, That's a right? Point. And so I think, you know, knowing whatever song I was going to walk out to, like really feeling that music make me laugh and make me excited to be there and understand why I'm there. And to feel that walking out, slapping five with everybody on my way to the cage, kissing my coaches, giving them a big hug, getting greased up, walking in, bowing on the mat and getting ready to go. And then, you know, you, you definitely need to visualize all the ways that you could lose to come to terms of that. But that's not where the bulk of the visualization is because you don't want to lose. So you got to visualize all the ways you win. And for me, um, a lot of the coaching was around being first, not waiting, you know, I wasn't a counter striker or anything like that. And so just utilizing my best tools and seeing how they would land, seeing how I would defend a takedown or maybe take my opponent down, just seeing all the different positions up against the cage in every space within that. And you know, the day, the days leading up to the fight, being there, you get into the cage, you get into the cage, you move around, you roll around, you feel the mat in all spaces. You feel where it's smooth and, and where it's tacky from having a, a logo of one of the UFC <laughs> sponsors. You feel the back of the fence up against your back and you move around on it and you know how you're going to slip out and you just go through every movement practice you've been visualizing for the three or four days leading up to the fight. And I think all that mattered quite a bit. But, you know, those are practices that I still use um, if I'm going to speak. And, I, and I yeah. spe- I've i always done well with public speaking uh, communication was one of my majors in college at ASU and I'll still get nervous. Yeah. So I surrender the fact that if I stutter or mess up a word, nice. none of that matters. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like if I can see myself failing by whatever, whatever term I understand is failure in that circumstance, experience that for a moment, know that all it takes is even admitting to the crowd Hey, I'm a little bit nervous. I yeah. haven't done anything to blow off steam. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths, and you can join me if you want, right? That's and cool, just going man. through that, right? Just like Aaron did, yeah. when we all hung out at that dinner party. Yep. And you can make it weird. So what? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you can do loud audible exhales. <sighs> oh, you know, <laughs> just whatever you want to yeah. make it, but dump that energy and then. In that practice, I can circle back to actually talking about the things that I want to
0: talk about. That's really cool because it makes everybody else more comfortable too, and it makes you even more human. And people want that. People want to feel like they're human with you. That's what you do a really good job of. Like even right now talking to you, like you make me even feel comfortable and confident. And it's like that's an aura that you give off. And if you can give off, help people around you feel comfortable and confident all the time, like that's just helping them. Take a step forward to being their best self they can possibly be. Yeah, rising tide lifts all ships. Ooh, nice. You should save that one because I'm gonna ask you your favorite mindset quote here pretty <laughs> soon. So I don't know if I
1: have a favorite that But Aubrey often be it. tells me that and I love that
0: I love that quote. That's yeah. really good, man. Um uh, going into uh what you're doing now too, based on what you were saying about training to be first. So I like that a lot. I like that I like that training to be first. Not necessarily saying, hey, look at me, I'm the greatest, but I'm going to train like I'm going to be the greatest. Because why would we go through this life and just let everybody else do the great things? And what, let everybody else, like, why not be great yourself? Why not attack what you want to attack? And you telling the story about how you did, how you wanted to meet Aubrey, how you were reading everybody's books. You wanted to go to Paleo FX to meet people. Like, that's, that's an incredible strength in itself. Not being not not just surrendering to okay, I'm gonna sit in this comfortable little bubble and just and just stay where I'm at, but I'm gonna expand myself because I know I have in myself to be great, and you do, and you're only gonna keep like I feel like I'm getting you on the early part of your blowing up. Like I, I'm like <laughs> two years from now, you might not answer a call or a text from me anymore. So <laughs> I'm blessed to have that, but um, yeah, is is it, that always just been in you too? Like just the mindset of hey, I'm gonna be like. I'm going to be the greatest at whatever I do.
1: I don't know. I've, I've felt that in different times in my life. But to be perfectly honest, one of the biggest things that I've ever struggled with in life is my own limiting self-beliefs. Yeah, And it doesn't tough. it doesn't seem that way on the surface, especially for somebody who would get in a cage and fight and all that. You right. know, like you got to have supreme confidence. That was a download that I got at the, well, after retiring when I had asked about What separated me from the greats? What separated me from Anderson Silva and all these guys that were that were champions for a very long time—a John Jones, a Chuck Liddell—and it was that they had unwavering belief in themselves. It was not 98 percent; it wasn't 96 percent; it was 100 percent. And it didn't matter how the fight went; they could lose. Like Anderson Silva was getting crushed by Chael Sonnen for five rounds, four and a half minutes into the fifth round, he slaps a triangle choke on and wins. You know, because he never stopped believing right. in himself, exactly. it, it was unwavering, right? And if you get into guys like Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton, it's exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and of course, Peter Crone, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, tomorrow. But, oh, nice. You know, that's, that's really where the rub lies. And it's not being overconfident. It's not being arrogant. It's not being egotistical. It is knowing thyself. And from there, having that unwavering belief and love in yourself that allows you to accomplish anything that you're going to accomplish.
0: Dude, that's money. That's really good. Okay, we're rolling on. Love it. We're rolling on to the rapid-fire hot seat. Whatever comes to your <laughs> mind, seat. spit it out. You're on the hot seat on my couch with way too much Christmas Are these dec- all one-word one answers? Is, <laughs> it that, is it that hot? How hot is it? Oh, it's as hot as you want it to be. You could be on that <laughs> frying pan. You decide. What is your favorite, and you just said this too, kind of, what is your favorite mindset quote or some some mantras that you that you live by or if you go walk into my kitchen and see eight zillion of them on the fridge?
1: I'm going to pull out my phone here, which is uh, yeah. not necessarily, but I took a ton of, uh, I just felt called to read some Rumi this morning. And it's all this stuff has been so on point with the things that I'm, that I'm getting to, but uh let me just read a couple. I know this is rapid fire.
0: Do it. Do it. Keep. Yeah.
1: There is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. Nice. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Ooh. Those are ones that really stick to me. Yeah. And, Powerful. you know, in, in working toward, you know, obviously this is a lot on mindset and the things that you're about and the things that I'm about with optimization, mm-hmm. The brass tacks of that, the not esoteric is to actually do the things we want to do in life, to accomplish the things we wish to accomplish. And I think this one really stuck out to me is as you start to walk on the way, the way appears.
0: That's really good.
1: That's it. Sometimes Man. it's just about
0: showing up. Exactly. It's about showing up for sure. And those are three amazing ones. I asked for one. You gave me 3 Overproducing. <laughs> take t- Take notes of that over there. Okay, let's talk about as going into optimization. How about your one thing, one or two things that like your go-tos? Like mine is every morning when I wake up, I'm jumping in the shower ice cold. Like with my mindset, whether it helps your body or not, I'm, that's my thing. Do you have any like little tricks, tactics, habits? Yeah, I
1: mean daily I'm, I'm doing some temperature extreme. Nice. So whether if I'm on the road, it's a cold shower or getting in the ocean here, which isn't that cold. It's not that but, cold. Um, You know, at home, I have a chest freezer in my backyard, kind of like Luke Story and Aaron Alexander and all these guys. And that's nice. It's convenient when you make things convenient. You'll actually use them. Right. We think of convenience with convenience stores and fast food and all that. And the reason they're a draw is because they're convenient. So you can do the same practice for something that's good for you that maybe you don't necessarily want to do if there's one, two or three extra steps involved I had a horse yeah. trough that I'd fill with water and add ice bags to. Yeah. It'd run me 40 to 60 bucks every time I got in there. But having the chest freezer full, funny. it's 35 to 45 degrees anytime I want to set foot in it. Every scary. day it's there. I only got to change the water once every few months. Wow. So that's the invitation. I know at some point in the day I'm getting in that cold ice bath. Even if I just get in and out, I'm going to get in. Most days I'll get in for three to five minutes, maybe six, maybe seven. And then at work, the convenience, obviously, most people don't live in this way, but I have a, a really nice hot rock sauna slash dual infrared sauna at it, which is a two-minute walk from my desk. So it's convenient. Yes. So every day, I'm doing one of those two, if not both of them. And I think those are ways that are beyond the measurement of a biohack. They're beyond yeah. the measurement of fat loss, detoxification, or any of the other stuff that Rhonda Patrick and Wim Hof yeah. talk about. Yeah. Wim at least understands, like, the cold is my teacher. And when you get into that rough situation in life or in the cold bath or the last few minutes of a really hot sauna, the more quiet I can stay in that storm, the better that is for me. And that seeps into all aspects of life. It quiets the noise and allows me to stay calm in the
0: storm. Beautiful answer in so many ways. I'm literally asking you rapid fire. and You're giving me just gold. Setting up your environment to set up your success. I love it, man. What does legacy mean to you? What does leaving a Kyle Kingsbury legacy, not necessarily what the world would think it's going to be, but what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah. It's something that, that also has changed for me over time. Paul checks, talked quite a bit about legacy and he has some great videos on YouTube. Um, I'll see if I can find one and then you can share in the show Mm -hmm. notes because people will get a much deeper explanation of that. But from my standpoint now, the way I look at legacy is what I leave with my kids and it'll go much farther past that. But You know, he also, Paul Check also has a video called the I, we, all, or I, we, us. I think it's I, we, all model. And it talks about the level of self-mastery starts with I. And then it starts with we, with my personal relationships with my wife, my children. And then it gets to the all, to the greater good of humanity. And, you know, where people fail is the outward focus of I want to heal the world, save the world, you know, fill in the blank. It always starts with the self. Even with, with things like love, in relationship, you are only capable of loving someone else as much as you love yourself. So that's really it. When I think of legacy, the legacy is is my own path to peace. It's my own path to becoming the person that I can be, realizing the true fullness of my nature and then sharing that with my children so that they don't necessarily take the same path and that I don't eliminate (laughs) their obstacles because those obstacles and those challenges are the things that fortify them and make them the being they're supposed to be as well. So kind of knowing where I can guide and knowing where I can take my hands off the wheel and say, it's okay,
0: you guys got this. Man, that's kind of you in a nutshell is you have to love yourself before you can love others. And that's you showing what you do on a daily basis and you being an influence to other people by loving yourself, by like optimizing yourself, by taking care of yourself, by treating others right, with your kids, like... It's I mean, it's kind of you in a nutshell. And that's what a lot of people have to understand. It's a lot of people won't obviously as you know, won't love themselves. They can't love others. So keep spreading that light, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. How can we all follow you? How can we all just track you down, watch your Instagram stories daily, stalk you, you know?
1: Yeah. Everything's uh well, Kyle Kingsbury Podcast is where you can listen to all the episodes. Um Kingsboo.com is my website. You leave your email, I tell you my supplement list. Also, I'm leaving a a book list because I get a lot of the same questions on meditation and all these different practices. And I've just outlined not only how I practice them, but where I learned them from, what was the impetus. So I get a lot of recommendations for books and uh, a monthly newsletter on anything that I'm up to from a biohacking standpoint, a change in my diet, which uh, unique plant medicines and altered (laughs) states of consciousness that I've decided to explore and uh, it's all there at kingsboo.com. And then same, at Kingsboo on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on Facebook, but pretty easy to follow me there. And I respond to everybody on, on
0: both those platforms. So if you got questions, I'll give you some Love answers. Love man. Awesome. Can you put up what you eat on a daily basis too on – on there, too, because I think your veins in your arms have gotten bigger since we started this <laughs> As I'm just warming up. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I
1: would say I'm mostly carnivore-ish. Yeah. You know, I'd yeah. say probably 80 to 90% of my calorie consumption comes from high-end, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, you know, wild-caught fish, free-range organic chicken, Um a lot of the calories come from those sources and I'm I'm still, you know, I'm not, I don't have an autoimmune issue, thankfully, or anything like that. So I'm not using it as a medical treatment. I still like having avocado. I still like hot sauce. I still like macadamia nuts. You know, I use MCT oil in my coffee or butter, things like that. I'm not um, considerably strict with it, but I find as I increase, you know, the consumption, especially of organ meat, that my energy goes through the roof, you know, and that's a conversation I just had with Paul Saladino. It's like, organ meat might be nature's superfood. It might be the single best Man, thing you can put you. in your body yep. and, you know, I don't have an affiliation with these guys, but one of the ways I got into it because for a lot of people, you know, when I was with Paul and this is obviously stretching the answer here, it's <laughs> so
0: good. We but love was it.
1: When I was with Paul yesterday, you know, we, he served me up some raw liver and some raw kidney, yeah. a little sea salt, that's it. And I liked it. And I realized like that's probably the way our ancestors ate it. So I didn't have an issue with trying it that way. Most people would taste that and they'd be like, Hell no, I'm not doing that. So U.S. Wellness Meats has uh, beef liverwurst, which is 20% liver, 20% kidney, 10% heart, and 50% Man. beef trimming. It's pre-cooked and pre-seasoned. So it's this is perfect. what my son lives on. This is what my wife is eating all the time, being pregnant. And this is something that I can eat whenever I want. And I can eat it cold because it's already cooked to a certain degree.
0: Oh, money. So,
1: I mean, it, they... Again, no affiliation with these dudes, but it's a fantastic thing. I can grab it on the go. I thaw a pound of it, and I got this loaf of meat that I can snack on that has every vitamin and mineral that my body needs to survive and thrive.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm ordering some right after this. That's money. Okay. Last question we got for you. What does being a one percenter mean to you? On this 1% podcast, what does it mean to be a one percenter? Eating liver, raw <laughs> liver, definitely makes you a one percenter, man. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: there's there's uh many ways I've thought of myself as a one percenter, probably since Bernie Sanders started calling <laughs> off the one percenters <laughs> financially and, and being from California. But um
0: it's uh, funny.
1: You know, I think of all the different avenues I've been a one percenter. You know, even even in fighting, you know, I was middle of the pack at best in light heavyweight in the UFC. Still a one percenter when you think of how many billions of people on this world Absolutely. actually can get to that level. Um, I just think of the, you know, being a true one percenter now is it's not where you're at. It's where you're going nice. and it's how you're getting there. Right. And yep. it's shifting into that mindset of self exploration. It's not even necessarily self betterment. It's just, let me try these things on and see what sticks. Let me see what works for me. And it's different for everyone. Yeah. But if you're on that path, That's the 1%. And
0: I love it. And not being afraid to be on that path. Not being afraid what other people think, what other people say you have to do. Taking that path and fully embracing it. Beautiful. Kyle Kingsbury, you are off the hot seat. The, the frying pan that we didn't even use because we don't cook our meat anymore. You're off the One Percenter <laughs> Podcast. Appreciate you, big time, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. Appreciate thank you me. as well. Awesome. Big time, thank you for joining me on the One Percenter Podcast. Hopefully, you took something away from today that you can implement into your own life. Hope you all have a great week. Thank you for supporting the One Percenter Podcast. Go out there and do something for somebody. Change somebody's life. If you change one life, that is leaving a legacy. The rest is gravy on Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy it. David Nurse, 1%er Podcast, signing off.